I want to tell you, sometimes um, I have this stand up here and I use it for my notes every week and occasionally there will be something on there, uh, maybe a note from somebody, um, you know, a reminder of something and I walked up here this morning and I saw all those notes that said um, unimportant, <laughs> unloved, unworthy <laughs> and I thought, man, someone's trying to send me a message here. <laughs> Um, but I just want to say thanks to our, our kids. Um, last week we talked a lot about the, the teens they had blast and, and really just bragged on how great um, our youth leadership and our teens are. But man, we have to take the opportunity to say we are so blessed um, to have Pastor Emily and all of the wonderful workers that, that spend time with our kids. And we have wonderful kids that are serving, that are, that are serving communion and are, are a part of our service. And so I just want to say what a blessing it is um, to, to be a part of the family of God. And the family of God means all of us together. And so, kids, thank you so much. And, and Emily, thank you for your great leadership. We are thrilled um, to have you here. So we're continuing to talk about the Follow Me series. And, and, and I'm going to make a little bit of an adjustment here. I, I've said this every week. I'm sorry if you get sick of hearing it. But, but if you're here for the first time, maybe you'll appreciate um, just, just the idea of what we're doing. We're talking about Jesus' teachings. We're talking about how we can be better disciples of Christ. And, and I've talked in the past few weeks about the fact that, you know, the disciples that we read about in the Gospels were walking each day with Jesus in, in the physical form. And, and the bodily form, and, and, and we don't get that privilege as far as we don't see Jesus walking next to us. And, and I've said over the past few weeks that, that, that God has given us Scripture, um, God has given us the story of God and His people so that we could know God and we could know Jesus, and so we do have that as a guide for us, and that's what we're going to be working through. But, but one of the things that I haven't said that I probably should have said is that we are blessed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be thankful for that today because we're talking about our words, and I don't know about you guys, but that's a very convicting thing for me. And so I want to assure you that as we learn to follow Jesus, as we learn to be more like Christ, that the Holy Spirit is at work. And, and I hope you felt that in this service, that the Spirit is working. And, and I hope that you feel that every day as you think about what you're going to say and how you're going to react. And so, so we're going to talk about words today. This is pretty, this kind of blew my mind. It is. Uh, studies have shown that the average person speaks about 7,000 words each day. How many of you think that that seems a little bit high? The aver okay, so, so let's have some fun. I, I'm, I'm going to get you guys participating here. The kids participated. Now you're going to participate. Um, so 7,000 is the average amount of words that, that the average person speaks each day. And what that means is that there's some people that speak more than 7,000, and there's some people that speak less than 7,000, and there's probably some that speak 7,000. So let's have some fun. I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to either give them a thumbs up for, you speak a lot more than 7,000, or a thumbs down for, you don't speak enough, or a, maybe a, you know, this, just a, go ahead, have some fun, talk to each other, don't get yourself in trouble. Husbands, be careful. <laughs> All right, that's some, there's some life in here. I like it. 
we're, we're working towards that 7,000 right now. I hear a lot of words. That's good. I hope these are positive words and not negative words. I hope none of you are going to go home in trouble today. All right. All right. So, 7,000 words. I, that seems high to me. Um, I don't know. Maybe I do speak 7,000, but, but it's easy to think that if, if we speak 7,000 words a day, maybe all of those words aren't super significant. Maybe, you know, out of 7,000 words, how many of them are important? I was thinking about this, this whole 7,000 word thing, and I was thinking about the way that my week goes, and I, I'm in kind of a weird spot because I, I would say like the average day where all of the staff is in the building, maybe I speak like this many words, and then on Friday, uh, most of the staff is off, and so I speak this many words, and then comes Sunday, and I've counted, it's about 2,000 words in my sermon, so that's a lot, so, but 7,000 words, that's a lot, and, and maybe it's tempting to think, well, if we speak that much, then those words aren't that important. But, but what we're going to see today in Scripture is that our words are incredibly important, not just to each other, but to God. And so we're going to look at, at Matthew chapter 12 today. And actually, a couple weeks ago, we looked at Luke chapter 6, and, and we looked at that Scripture that talked about the fact that, that what comes, what's in the heart comes out and that, that a tree is judged by its fruit. And, and this is a parallel passage, so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 12, but, but I just want to take a little bit of time and set the context for you so that you know what Jesus is speaking into here. Basically, at this point, Jesus has been out teaching and healing and doing great things. And the religious people, they're called the Pharisees, the people that, that are, are religious, they're the church people, they're the people that follow the rules, they have turned against Jesus. They don't like what Jesus is doing. They think Jesus is leading people away from their religion and their rules. And so the Pharisees have begun to try to trap Jesus. And so there's three things that happen in chapter 12, and there's more before that, but I want to look at these three things that the Pharisees do, and that kind of sets the stage for what Jesus says. The first thing is this, the, Jesus is walking with his disciples through a grain field, and his disciples are hungry, and it's on the Sabbath, and they pick some grain and they eat it, and the Pharisees say, whoa, that's against our rules, you can't do that. See, if, if you're really a good person, then you should be following the rules. And basically, the Pharisees, uh, you know, go after the disciples and Jesus for this. So that's the first thing. They're not following the rules. The second thing is they came into the synagogue. Jesus comes into the synagogue with, with the Pharisees and others. And there's a man in the synagogue who has a messed up hand. It says a shriveled hand. And the Pharisees see this man, and their first thought isn't compassion for the man. Their first thought isn't that they want to help the man. Their first thought is, we can trap Jesus. Because once again, it's the Sabbath. And so they say, hey, Jesus, look at this man right here. Tell us, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And so they try to trap Jesus. Anyone care to guess what Jesus does? 
He heals the man because he has compassion on the man. And so once again, they're after Jesus. And then the third thing, and this one's, this one's really bad, is there is another man that is demon-possessed, and people bring this man to Jesus because he is blind and he's mute. He can't see and he can't speak. And so they bring him to Jesus. He, it says he's demon-possessed, and Jesus heals him and casts out the demon. And all of a sudden, this man can see and can speak. So once again, we see the compassion, the love of Jesus at work. And you know what the Pharisees say? They say he's clearly working through Beelzebub or through darkness or through evil. That's an evil thing that he's doing. And they attribute a good healing, restoring work that Jesus does to evil and to the devil. And so once again, the Pharisees are after Jesus. And so what have they done with their words and what I just described? Three things. Number one, they were tattletales. There were, if you have kids in the house, you understand tattletaling. And that's that if somebody's not following the rules, I've got to tell on them and get them in trouble because I'm after them. And I grew up with a brother and a sister, and sometimes they were more concerned with getting me in trouble, and I was more, I was more concerned with getting them in trouble than doing what was right. And so their words are trying to hurt others. The second thing they do is they see a man who has a problem and they use that man to try to hurt Jesus. So once again, they try to trick Jesus with their words. And the third thing they do is they take a work of God, a healing, good work, and they try to attribute it to evil. They try to make it something bad. And so that's when Jesus speaks the words that we're going to read here in, in Matthew chapter 12. So let's look at those words. Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 to 37 says this. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. We read a scripture similar to this a couple weeks ago. Then look in verse 34 at what he says to the Pharisees, to the religious people. He says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Listen to verse 36. This is big. But I tell you that everyone will give an, have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned." Anyone feeling a little bit scared right now? Anybody feeling a little bit like I should shrink back? And Jesus doesn't say, by your religion, by your rule following, by your attendance, by, Jesus says, by your words, you will be judged. And, and so, any thought that our words aren't important, Jesus tells us right here, our words are incredibly important. And at judgment day, we will either be acquitted and given grace or we will be condemned and we'll be in big trouble. 
Jesus' response is that the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so when we're talking about words, it's not that the the words themselves are, are that. It's that they come from our heart. And ultimately God judges our heart. But if our words are empty, then our heart is empty as we've seen. And so our words are incredibly important. And so 7,000 words a day, maybe a little bit over, maybe a little bit under, maybe a lot over, maybe a lot under for you. 7,000 words a day. Let me ask you a question. What do the words that you speak every day say about your heart? If you're going to be judged on the words that you speak each day, what's that going to look like for you? And listen, my goal is not to beat anyone up today. My goal is for you to understand that that Jesus, that God, that the Holy Spirit want to be at work in your life so that your heart is good and so that your words can be good. And so your words matter. And Jesus ups the ante a little bit more in verse 37 and he says, everyone will give, in verse 36, and says, everyone will give an account for what they've spoken and by your words you will be judged. So, so let's follow the path of what we've talked about so far in the Follow Me series. Um, there's four things. They all kind of go together. And they're not each week. But, but listen to what we've heard so far. Number one, we cannot worship God with all our heart while worshiping other things. So the call is that we are to worship God with all of our heart. That our whole lives should be to worship God. Number two, our heart is what matters most to God. Okay? Worship God only. You can only, with everything you have in your heart, is what matters most to God. Number three, our words reveal what's in our hearts. And number four, we are going to be judged on our words. Now, I'm not trying to take scripture out of context here. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees here, and, and he's, he's talking about their, the, the evil that's in their words that they're trying to hurt, and they're trying to tear him down, and they're trying to tear the disciples down, and they're working against the kingdom with their words. But in this scripture, he says, everyone will be judged by their words. That's not just the Pharisees. That's not just the people that were around him when he spoke, that's us. And so ultimately, I want you to understand today that you are are supposed to serve God alone. And you're supposed to serve God with all your heart. And your heart is what determines what you say, and so what you say is what you will be judged on. So I want you to understand that your words matter. Our words matter. Jesus says that you're, at the day of judgment, you're either going to be acquitted or you're going to be condemned. Now, there's something really cool in here I want to look at. In verse 36, he says that we will have to give an account for every empty word that is spoken. So I want to look at what that... There's a couple of verses here that as I read this and as I studied this, it kind of jumped off the page at me. And so I want us to look a little bit more at what that word empty means. What, what is it to, to have an empty word that's spoken? I mean, we speak 7,000 words a day. Surely some of them may be empty. Or What does that word mean? Well, the Greek word here that's used here is, is argos. And it translates, there, there's two good definitions for it. Number one, it, the first definition is it's free from labor. 
Um, it's at leisure. So in other words, it's a word that's spoken that's, that's not working. It's just kind of out there. It's, you get this picture that it's, you know, your word's just out and about. But the second one, listen to this. This is similar, but listen to the language here. The second one is that your words are lazy, that they're shunning the labor which one ought to perform. Let me say that again. An empty word, according to the word argos that's used here, an empty word, an argos word, is a word that's lazy and that is shunning the labor for which it should perform. So in other words, what this is saying is that our words are supposed to have purpose. When we speak, there's a purpose to us speaking. And empty words are when our words are lazy and are not reflecting the purpose for which we're supposed to speak. Are you getting this? This isn't blowing anyone else's minds. It's just me. Okay, whatever. But it's good stuff. There's another verse, verse 30, that's before this in the passage. And Jesus says in verse 30, listen to this. He says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Are you picking this up? Are, are you getting the picture here? Whoever is not with me is against me. You, it's either you're worshiping God or you're worshiping something else. And he says, either you are gathering with me or you are scattering. There's no middle ground. There's no neutral. And so what we understand here is that our words matter and that our words are not neutral. Because here, here's a crazy thing. And, and Emily was talking about this a little bit. Our words have the ability to create. It's absolutely true. Our words have the ability to create. In Scripture, it says that, that God spoke. In creation account, it says that God spoke and, and things were created. And our words have the ability to create. And so we see two things at work here. Number one, we see that if we're not gathering, then we're scattering. We, we aren't neutral. It's either working towards the cause of Jesus or working against it. In other words, if we're not actively pursuing the kingdom, then we're working against it. And then number two, we see in verse 36 that we're going to be judged by our idle words, the words that are not working the way they're supposed to. And so we're supposed to be actively pursuing the kingdom even with our words. So let's put that back into context here. 7,000 words a day. What is the purpose of the words that you speak? They should have a job. And that job should be to build the kingdom. So that brings another question. How can we work towards the kingdom with our words? How can we use our 7,000 or whatever words a day, how can we use those to honor God and to build the kingdom and make sure that our words aren't empty? Well, first, I think uh, one thing we could do is look at the Pharisees and see the way they use their words and see how we shouldn't use our words. So, so there were three things that we see not to do. Number one, the, the Pharisees sought their own glory with their words. See, they were... They were church people, and they were good at following the rules. And so when somebody came around that didn't follow the rules, that made love and grace more important than rules, 
all of a sudden their speech, their words were about protecting what? The rules. Why were they protecting the rules? Wake up, talk to me. Why were they, why were they protecting the rules? Because it was their status, it was their status was found in their achievement. And if Jesus is working against the rules and they find their comfort and their status and their importance in the rules, they're trying to protect their status. We talked about this last week, that it's not about what we do, it's about what God does. And so the Pharisees' words are self-serving, they're about lifting themselves up. The second thing, their words are, are they tear each other down. They, they tear others down. Quite simply, more often than not, the Pharisees were judgmental towards others and their words were aimed to tear others down. With the disciples, when they were picking grain, the, the Pharisees were trying to make sure that people knew that the disciples weren't what they should be. They're not following the rules. They're not where we are. We're religious. We're good. We've earned it. But look at them. They've blown it. And so they're tearing them down with their words. And number three, their words were not working towards the kingdom, but working against it. Think about this. Jesus healed a man who was demon-possessed. Is there anything more awesome than that? And what do the Pharisees do? They say, no, that's, that's not God's work. That's the devil's work. Jesus says, how can I cast out a demon of the devil and be doing the devil's work? That makes no sense. But these Pharisees are working against what God is doing, working against the kingdom and not working for it. And so three things I think we need to do with our words. And, and, and these are important. Number one, our words should point to God, not ourselves. Our words should point to God, not to ourselves. When you hear me speak, when you hear me speak, it shouldn't be things that lift me up, that protect me, that elevate me. When you hear me speak as a follower of Christ, you should see God. You should be drawn to God. How many of your words build yourself up? How often do we do what the Pharisees do and we speak things to protect our image or our credibility? How often do we talk for ourselves, not for Christ? I was thinking about this. Uh, I know I'm I know. I, you know, I'm on... I talk about social media a lot, but, but I, I want to tell you a little bit more about my connection with social media because I've talked to you before about how I don't really post that much, and I was actually thinking about as I was writing this social, what is it, social, what, me, dia, M-E, if I had the words up there, I would capitalize though because the, the, the truth is, a lot of times social media is about me, isn't it? They say there's no I in team. Well, there's an I in media, and there's an M-E, a me in media. And so one of the reasons that I don't post on social media is because I don't want it to be about me. And, and I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't post on social media, but I write a lot of posts on social media. And you know, you know why you don't see them? Because a lot of times when I get on and I type something, I start to think about it, and the Holy Spirit starts to work and I start to think, why am I posting this? Who is this lifting up? What is this thing I'm posting doing? And, 
And I have this crazy habit of typing big, long things and then deleting them because I don't want my language, I don't want my words to be about me. Our words should point towards God, not ourselves. Number two, our words should build others up, not tear others down. I I talked about this earlier, that our words create, and the truth is, our words have a major effect on others. The things we say affect others. This is a fun, fun example of this. So our, our youngest, Jack, he's two years old, about to turn three, and he has a problem that a lot of two- and three-year-olds have. He likes to pick his nose. Some, some, some 40-year-olds have that problem. <laughs> he likes to pick his nose. And occasionally, as a lot of two- and three-year-olds do, he, that finger that was in his nose finds its way into his mouth. And so, being the good, wholesome parents that we are, I won't tell you which parent it was, but one of us said, Jack, if you eat your boogers, your tongue is going to turn green. (laughs) And so now, this is amazing, this is actually pretty cool, but now every time, like we'll be in the car at night, and we won't be even doing it, we'll be listening to music, and Jack will say, I don't want my tongue to turn green. (laughs) And we say, Jack, are you picking your nose and eating it? Yeah. Well, stop it. Okay. And so it's, man, you don't think your words affect people? Jack, every time he picks his nose, tells us that he doesn't want his tongue to turn green. That's, it's a perfect way to get kids to tell on themselves. But, but think about it. Our words, just that little thing that we said one time or maybe ten times, has gotten in Jack's mind and has affected him. I'm guessing that every single one of us in here can recall words that people have spoken to us that either, number one, lifted us up and changed the course of our life for the better, or, number two, that tore us down and sent us into a long, difficult journey of dealing with those words. I remember in high school, um, this, is a, this is another example of this, my coach, um, he, he sat down each person on the team, and the point of this discussion was he was going to talk about how the season was going, and he was going to talk about what our strengths and weaknesses were, and he was going to tell us what he wanted us to do. And so at the time, I'm not bragging, I wasn't that great at basketball, but at the time I was our second leading scorer, I was our best shooter, I was one of our best ball handlers, I I mean I did a lot for the team and I felt like my role may expand. And, and he sat down, my friend Steve, who was the best scorer, and, and he was the best player, and he said, Steve, you do whatever you want, you're awesome, you know, you need to shoot the ball more, great. And then he sat me down, and you know what he said? I really want you to focus on this one shot from this one place, and I don't want you to shoot the ball unless you're in this one place. Man, you want to talk about words that affect somebody? You want to talk about words speaking what's in your heart? I knew immediately what my coach thought of me. And even though I was one of the better shooters on the team, he wanted to limit me to where I was. That's affected me. I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of things that he said to me that that stuck with me for a long time. And you can remember things that people have said that have torn you down or have built you up. Can you think of something like that in your life? Our words create. And our words should be to build others up, 
not tear others down. See, here's the thing. Jesus was all about building others up. Jesus came to restore us. Jesus came, and in his ministry, he was constantly lifting others up and healing. And so, in verse 30, when it says, if you're not working to gather, that's what Jesus was all about, then you're working to scatter. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus was all about lifting people up and restoring people, what should your words be all about? Lifting people up and restoring people. And if they're not, guess what? They're working against what Jesus is doing. And all of us represent people who have used words that gathered and words that have scattered. And so number two, we should use our words to build others up. Number three, our words should bring about the kingdom in the world around us. Because our words have an effect on others, because our words are powerful and they create, we have the ability to bring the kingdom around us with what we say. We also have the ability to tear it apart and change the situation around us by negative things we say, but our words should bring about the kingdom. I was thinking about this. Can you think of some words that have changed the world for the good? I thought of, I've thought of these words. I have a dream. Think about the, wor- the way that those words have changed the world, and I believe those words have changed the world and brought about more of the kingdom, because what those words are all about that Martin Luther King Jr. spoke, we're loving one another and treating each other with respect and love. And those words he spoke changed the world. Not just changed one person's life, but changed the world. Listen, your words have the ability to change the world around you. And so if you really, if your heart is all about the kingdom, if you love God with everything, and if you're worshiping God with everything then your heart should be geared towards the kingdom. And if what comes out of the heart is what you speak, then your words should be building the kingdom. If we are seeking God's kingdom first, we should be actively bringing about the kingdom through the words we speak. So once again, 7,000 words a day, whatever it is for you, what are your words doing What are they working for? What are they meaning? How are they affecting others? Your words matter. Judgment is at stake. What happens to you is at stake with what you say. The kingdom around you is at stake. The kingdom at work in our lives is at stake. And so your words matter. Now oftentimes, I think we're pretty good at saying hey, that was a good service. Oh, I really enjoyed God's word today. I'm not going to say the preaching, but I really enjoyed God's word today. And and we nod our heads and, yes, it's good. And then we walk out of here and it's on with life. And we don't take and we don't put God's words into action in our lives. Today, I want to call you to put Jesus' teaching in action in your lives. I want to I call you to let the Holy Spirit guide you so that your words would build the kingdom. Your words would build others up. Your words would point people to Jesus. And so as you go today, 
I want to draw your attention to your bulletin. On the back of your bulletin, there's this little section that says, putting what you've learned into practice. I want you to take this, and I want you to practice letting your words build others up this week. There's three things. You can do them. They're easy. But also, I want you to think about the importance of your words. This is something cool that I stumbled on this week. If we say 7,000 words a day, do you know how many words the average novel has? About 90,000. And so basically every 10 days or so, uh, every 12 days or so, you are writing a book with the words that you say. And I was thinking about this in the last few days, and I was thinking, if we write a book every 12 or 13 days... And if somebody took the book of the words that you speak the last 12, 13 days, the next 12, 13 days, what would that book say? Ultimately, our words should bring glory and honor to God. And so as you go today, I want you to practice those things. I want you to make your words count. I'm going to pray for you, and then then I want us to do one thing as we go. So let's pray together. Father, we love you today. I thank you for our kids. I thank you for your your word that we've read. I thank you for the opportunity to worship you. I thank you for for communion and the, the memory of the love that you had and the way that you were all about seeking us and, 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 and gathering us. And so, Lord, I pray that as you work in our lives this week, as we go, as we read your word, as we put these words into practice, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us and that as we speak, people would see you. I pray that as we speak, people would be restored and lifted up. And I pray that as we speak, your kingdom would literally be built around us on earth. We love you, Jesus, and we want to love you with our words. And Jesus, holy and precious and powerful and loving and graceful name we pray, amen. So we didn't do the meet and greet at the beginning because we're going to do it now. As you go, I want you to put this into practice. I want you to lift a few people up with your words. I want you to love others. I want you to encourage others. And I want you to bring the kingdom right here, right now, through your words. Have a great day.